Pablo's Poppin' Podcast is brought to you by 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, volume 1, available in paperback at Amazon.com. What are your atonomic bombs? Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board-certified physician Andrew Kirshner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute, and how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Check out the five-star reviews. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, available at Amazon.com. Just when you thought that there were already too many podcasts in the world, here comes another one. Come around here with his bloody podcasts. Welcome here, my friends, to the show that never ends. Unless it does end, but I can't see that happening anytime soon. Welcome to Pablo's Poppin' Podcast. I hope everyone's doing okay. It is May, and I turned 30 this month, and I'm probably a bit... I don't know. I think it's just other people's expectations of where you should be at by the time you're 30. It took me my entire 20s, motherfucker, to <laughs> even be remotely sort of happy and, um, you know, know where I w- or what I want to do for the rest of my life. So, you know, fuck people's opinions. Um, but, you know, turning 30, I am becoming a bit more aware that I should take better care of myself. Because, you know, I always thought that I never... <sighs> You always kind of, um, or I always sort of think that I'm uh, lucky to have, you know, nothing really wrong with me. You know, my eyesight's fine. I can hear well. Uh, no 
skin problems, etc. But, you know, I'm starting to have things just happen, happen to me now. You know, it's like the Louis C.K. thing, you know, when he uh, reached his 40s and he, <laughs> he went to the doctor with a bad ankle. And the doctor was like, yeah, you, you've just got shitty ankle now. You know, you just have to, you have to deal with that. <laughs> so I think that's starting to happen to me. So I am going to the doctors this week for a full medical checkup. I don't think they're going to shove their fingers up my ass. Um, hopefully they do. Oh, hey. Um, but... Um, I'll, I'll let you know how that goes unless it's terrible news and I have AIDS or something I'm sure I won't have AIDS um, so yeah on this week's show we have the writers and director of a short film called Roger uh, Brendan Cleves and Stuart Foreman uh, Roger stars uh, John Bradley from Game of Thrones and one of the UK's top comedians Sean Walsh so we talk about the entire uh, process uh, we talk about the Kickstarter that is up and running uh, I will give you details on all of that um, yeah it, it's pretty amazing you know I'm, I'm, I'm being opportunist uh, as a being an opportunist as a as a host I suppose just it, it showed up on my uh, timeline it was a paid advert and obviously you know I, I don't know how or why it was marketed to me um but immediately again because um uh, you know i'll grab any opportunity i offered to make some music for them and that sort of um not, they found the music that they were looking for so it, you know absolutely fine and it works perfectly for their film um it, it just started off a conversation and you know and luckily they were up for doing the podcast because you know they're working with big names and this helps to grow the podcast the podcast um uh, so i'm i'm quite thankful for them uh to them and i'm sure the kickstarter will do very very well um in other news um i'm in talks uh, yeah you know this I'm, I'm assuming there will be some first-time listeners uh, i'm also a huge wrestling fan um especially old school stuff and i'm in talks with uh, a big name uh to be on the show Pro i mean you know nothing against uh, yeah, i love all the wrestling names that i've had on but this is probably the biggest name so far that i will have had on the show um he will be coming to the uk but i will be um interviewing him to promote what he's going to be doing in the UK and I'm a big fan and I'm going to get all my stuff signed like the sad person that I am um, so yeah more info on that to come uh, I should be able to by Monday announce the huge 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 music guest um, that I have I mean again you know all due respect to every other music guest that i've had on so far this is probably the most mainstream name uh and again i'm a huge fan and i'm quite excited about that um you may see uh my guitar in a <laughs> um in a big promotional campaign uh quite soon again if you're a big fan or if you're a big fan come on i've got no big fans come on um <laughs> um yeah, it, no. If you if you uh, you know know anything about me, you know that I'm a big Queen fan. And um, no, I'm not getting a member of Queen on the show. By the way, I, I will try. Don't get me wrong. I am shameless. Uh, but I own a Burns Brian May guitar. Um, I got it in 2004, not long after it came out. You know, I saved up. Um, you know, at, at college I was getting EMA money, which basically meant you you broke. Here's a little bit of money every week, but I, I really wasn't used to that. So you know, um, 
I spent it quite uh, quite heartily, uh, but <laughs> I did save up for a Brian May Burns guitar because the only ones available before that were made by Guild and there might have been another one, uh, but they were really expensive and just impossible to get a hold of. Um, but the Burns guitar came out and it made it affordable. Uh, I like the sound of it, you know, I'm not just a fanboy. I mean, I am definitely a fanboy, but I'm not just a fanboy. Um, and over the years it's actually gained value as well which is good uh, but um, and I, I know but there's a company called PMT uh, <laughs> professional music technology not the other PMT but you know they must know how crazy that sounds um, my friend uh, Dagan is uh, gonna be demonstrating a lot of Vox amplifiers and you know, obviously Brian May used AC30, I do have an AC30, so that guitar is going to be used on this big promotional campaign, and hopefully it'll bring new eyes and ears to the podcast, because, you know, that's what I'm trying to do in every aspect of my life now, is trying to, <laughs> you know, cross-promote the podcast, uh, you know, trying to bring in extra revenue, because I realise, you know, I'm always a bit sort of shy about asking for money but then I realized I kind of need money you know not just to keep the podcast running but to keep me sort of not from dying of starvation um, and homelessness so yeah <laughs> I've set up a patron thing you know I was kind of uh, a bit meh about those but there is one there uh, it's on the link underneath the show uh, if you would like to just you know support the show by giving me a couple of dollars I will certainly not turn that down. Um, but you can become an official show sponsor. Uh, there are a couple of other things. But I uh, also have music at toxicmelons.bandcamp.com. Um, influenced by you know stuff like the Beatles, Beach Boys, Jellyfish, Queen, uh, Divine Comedy, orchestral pop, West Coast pop, 60s pop. Um, you know, very melodic stuff. So toxicmelons.bandcamp.com. You can find stuff there. It helps keep the show running. Like I say, I am self-employed. You know, you, if you've listened to the other shows, you've heard all this spiel before, but I'm going to say it every week, probably, for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, check it all out. Right now, though, before we go into my interview with Brendan and Stuart, I'm going to play you a song by my friend Harry. Uh, he was in a great power pop band called Sweetheart, and they never really got off the ground. And now Harry's doing his own solo stuff, and... It, it it's kind of refreshing because I don't think he really gives a shit about sort of appealing to people. Um, obviously, he wants to appeal to people and he's putting a new band together, but you know he will write exactly how he wants, and it's just opened up the creative you know floodgates, and it's some of the most beautiful stuff I've ever heard. But I'm gonna uh, show you a song by his old band. Uh, Sweetheart, and it is available for free download if you search Sweetheart uh, on Bandcamp. Uh, this is a song called Minnesota Nights, and then we'll be going straight into my interview with Brendan and Stuart. It's not nearly over. 
So on Pablo's Poppin' Podcast this week, we have the writers and director of uh, a new short film uh, coming out called Roger, uh, starring certainly one of the UK's top comedians, Sean Walsh, and John Bradley of uh, Game of of Thrones. Game of Thrones, see, that's a thing, you know, no edits here. Um, We have Brendan Cleves and Stuart Foreman. How are you doing today? Very good. Yeah, Yeah, very good. Cool. Well, this is this is sort of the first freeway conversation, so we may we may headbutt quite a bit. Um, yeah. But <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's quite an exciting thing to do. Um, it's it's the only way to do it. I think it should be a new thing. <laughs> Just to complete <laughs> to completely yeah. make no sense between the three of us all together. Um, okay, so uh, to start off, you will be launching the film via Kickstarter. Um, what was the uh, decision behind that? Was it just a because you've already made the film, so uh, what do you plan to do with the funding from the Kickstarter? Uh, 
basically it's all pretty much all post-production um from the kickstarter um uh, and also like festival fees um because entering into festivals isn't isn't cheap actually um, you'd be surprised to know um but yeah it's just all, all the post-production stuff um and, and festival fees okay really so cool well i mean it's uh it's Kind of odd because I, I spoke to a director yesterday as well, and uh, he was uh, screened at uh, Cannes Film Festival, and he was saying how uh, not cheap it is to sort of get screened. Mm. Yeah, it does add up if you're if you want to sort of get a real good kind of um, lay of the land and sort of submit it to a decent amount. Yeah, you're looking, you know, you're looking at you know thirty to sixty pound per festival. You know, so it does it does add up, but. You know, I think that's the thing with short films. I think that's why you make them to get them to the festivals, um, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of what what we're doing. Absolutely. So, did you uh, see any of the Kickstarters uh, personally become successful and see it as a you know the best way, the best route to sort of go? Well, we yeah, we had a a friend called uh, Stuart Laws uh, that recently done one. He'd done a. Um, a Kickstarter uh, for I don't know if you know James Acaster, who's a he's a stand-up comedian as well, and he had a um, an online series, and uh, they wanted to do a second series, uh, so they wanted to go to Germany, and obviously that's going to cost a bit more, and um, they got all their money and more really. So um, we went, well, we sort of contacted Stuart, and we went, you know, give us advice. How do we do this? And uh, yeah, he's happy to do that. So it's good. Cool. So, so hopefully we're there. Yeah, totally. So when you, uh, because I've done a Kickstarter as well, and luckily it was successful. Um, Excellent. Do, do you plan on uh, making a, a sort of making of uh, sort of film? Because I know that Kickstarter uh, has its own festival itself, which uh, shows films that show the process of the the project's Kickstarter as well. Or was that something that you like? Maybe you haven't thought of at the moment. Um, no, do you know what? We hadn't thought of that. Um, we will be doing it now. <laughs> yeah, I'll start the cameras. <laughs> yeah. You're recording this conversation, yeah? <laughs> yeah, start the cameras now. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like, I was, uh, I was putting all mine together, and um, I suppose if you're going to make a video basically showing that you need money, it can't be a really well-produced video, and mine wasn't, but then at the same time, it wasn't anywhere near good enough to show at a, at a festival because it was basically just 60 days of me just tearing my hair out. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if you want to watch like the slow mental decline of someone over the course of sixty days, then uh, you know mine's definitely the one to watch. But <laughs> it is it's actually online, on... is it? sorry, it's online, is it? It is. It's actually on YouTube. But oh god, I would recommend it to anyone. Uh, some <laughs> some people kind of like watching it, but uh, I think they just like seeing. Looking it up now, actually. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, like... I, grew, I grew the hair long so that I, you know would have plenty to sort of tear out. Um, you know, over the course of that sixty days. Um, so yeah, Therapy. just uh, just to go back in uh, time a little bit. How did you used to meet? Was it at university or? Oh, younger, um, younger. Um, okay. At school, eleven years old. Already. So uh, yes. Did your love of film sort of start that early on? Huh. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we were um, uh, we were filming each other, and um, sounds weird. That does ignore <laughs> that. Uh, no, we were. <laughs> Stuart's words, not mine. <laughs> but we were like, we used to like ride about on like our BMXs and like jump over, you know, ramps and stuff in Brendan's garden. We used to like, yeah, let's just film myself doing this. And it yeah. just, you know, from the start from there, then we used to start doing like sort of like jackass type videos. Uh, and then it sort of went on to almost like comedy sketches, really. And we just, just kept making films and stuff and writing and doing any type of performing, really. So, yeah. Nah. What? Well, Stuart was 
stand up for a bit, weren't you as well? Like you, I was, you yeah. Yes, yeah, so I did like uh, stand up comedy for like oh god, about six or seven years. Uh, when I first moved to London in oh god, when was that? Like two thousand and four and five. God, it's ages now. But yeah, uh, so I uh, I I carried on. I did sort of like kind of stand up and performing on stage. And uh, Brendan went to uh, you moved to America, and that's where you got into directing, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I sort of moved off to university. I, uh, my, I was, my girlfriend at the time was American, so I just thought, you know, go and check out America for a few years, and yeah, and just sort of got got into sort of filming over there, and then stayed there for a few years. And then when I came back, Stuart was moving to London exactly the same time. So then we uh, we ended up getting a, getting a place together in London actually. And then we, uh, I think the first thing we did together was like a kind of, a, 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 I guess it was a pilot actually, rather than a short film called I think called Open Mic, which is again another thing you find on YouTube. And that was with uh, with a guy called Mark Simmons, who's a comedian as well, another friend of ours. Mm. Um, but yeah, from then it just kind of went on, and we, I think from after that we realised the importance of writing, and then we sort of focused quite heavily on writing rather than kind of just filming. And I was I was doing a lot of music videos and things like that at the time, so I think we yeah we just just sort of learnt to write from then on um, and started developing ideas and started our first feature. And now we're kind of on our third feature, and that's kind of what, what Roger is kind of is is a little preview to is is the feature we're writing at the moment. Cool. So um, when, uh, Stuart, when you moved to uh, London, uh, was it kind of an all or nothing kind of thing? Was it just, I'm going to pack up my life and sort of really make a go of it? Or, like, did you know yeah. what to expect sort of thing? Yeah, no, not really. I mean, I'd been, um, uh, I went to university in Norwich and um, I'd kind of done, like, a couple of a couple of open mics. It, like, I'd gone down to London for the day and did a couple of open mics. Uh, and then when I uh, university finished, it was like, yeah, I'm going to London. I'm going to be like a stand-up comedian. I'm going to do all this. And um, I was actually saying to a friend the other What's that? The suitcase full of dreams. Suitcase full of dreams, <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, pants and uh, you know, other, other stuff. Yeah, yeah, other too. stuff really. <laughs> you, know, just, you can't, you can't just live on, yeah, the dreams. But um, I was, um, so I, I, I got up there, and I, the first thing I did was get a Time Out magazine. And I just went through that, just phoning people up, and I'm going, oh, I'm going to do, it. I'm going to be performing every night. And uh, when you phone up like an open mic, it's like a three, four month waiting list. So I had all these gigs, but I was just sitting around for like three months, going, <laughs> yeah, this is not what I was expecting. <laughs> so um, you talk about this, uh, Rogers, your third uh, feature. Um, so what was the uh, what was the first one? Did you uh, were there any plans for it uh, to sort of take it to a wider audience at the time? Or? It was just, it was, it wasn't very good. No one's first project ever. It was like three hundred pages of rubbish, basically. (laughs) And it took us like a year and a half to write it as well, so you know, probably longer. We got it down to about one hundred forty in the end, I think. (laughs) Was it? Was it it kind of very self-indulgent based on your lives, or was it? You know, maybe something that wouldn't appeal to very many people. Kind of. It was about. um, It was about. it was about uh, the Camden um, sort of uh, rock scene, I guess. So it was about a guy who had um, been kicked out of a famous band um, and was just like living in Camden, just kind of wishing he was still in a big band, really. And uh, his big his band reform, and uh, they invite him back, but you know there's conditions because he was like almost like a drunk alcoholic, so they kicked him out the first time. So it was almost him coming back. Um, 
it was quite funny, but there's just too many characters, I think. There was just, just too much going on, really. We just put every funny idea that we could ever think of into a film without even thinking of any kind of structure or anything like that. But Yeah, well, we didn't know jack shit about, about writing then, so I think it was just like a, just get it on paper and see what happens. Uh, it, it did, I don't take it nothing at all happened with that. No. No. No, no. no, no forget That's, about that. Yeah, it's a sad day. Yeah. <laughs> One day, someone will want to read our 300-page script. I don't know. <laughs> Four-hour film. It's happening. I'm sure. Well, well, that's the thing. You know, when you know, an artist makes it big, everyone wants to you know, see their early works and everything, you know, no matter how bad it is. So, um, you know, um, with, uh, with Roger, uh, so were you friends with Sean and John, or did you cast them? Um, so... Uh, it's kind of a bit around about actually because um brendan knew a dop uh called joe and he he wanted to do the film with us and he he actually mentioned about john bradley um and said oh, i've read the script um i actually went to um i went to acting school with john you know i could get it over to him um and we went yeah that'd be great if you could do that and he just sent it to john john was like yeah this is really good i want to get involved and he was also uh, friends with Sean Walsh uh, through his girlfriend, I think. Um, but I also, I also knew Sean uh, from the circuit. Um, in fact, um, uh, the friend was saying about earlier called Mark Simmons. He does a podcast with Sean. So it was all kind of interlinked, and we just sent him over the script, and he he wanted to get involved as well. So we uh, we were quite lucky because it, um, it, was the, the, it was the first two the first two actors we wanted in it, actually, we made a list, didn't we, Brent? Yeah, we sat literally sat down after, because I sort of met up with Joe. It's funny, he did actually. Yeah, we were we were shooting in the Alps, like a kind of skiing video in the Alps, and he he'd literally just read the script like that morning. He was like, "I want to shoot this," and then he goes, "What well, do you think, John Bradley would be all right with half up a ski lift?" And I said, "John Bradley, who's that? I'm not sure." And he was like, "Oh, just Google him." So I'm just Googling. I'm like, "Well, take my gloves off. I'm Googling him." And I'm like, "Yeah, actually, it, 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 you know." And I sent to Stuart. I was like, "What do you think about this?" And it was straight away, "Yeah, that'd be perfect." But we got back to London, had like a sort of like a brainstorm because we kind of originally Roger was going to literally be me and my phone and two random actors <laughs> and some sellotape to take. Do you know what I mean? Just just really gorilla style because you know we just wanted to shoot it and just get something out there. Um, so we sat down, me, Stuart and Joe, and we sort of put our heads together and we made a kind of list of, I guess, probably about eight actors that were kind of, we, we kind of knew. And there's a few like sort of known names on it, a few sort of unknowns. But um, yeah, so we put a list together and John and Sean were top, uh, top two. Um, yeah, and they just, they said yes straight away, which is, was, was pretty good. You know, it was a bit of a shock, really. Just like, all oh, right, great. Um, but as soon as that happened, it was suddenly like we couldn't shoot it on phones and uh, um, and telesafe. <laughs> we had to. We had I, to don't, do it. I don't think and you can have just, uh, a guy from uh, Game of Thrones turn up and you put a phone in his face. It's just <laughs> game yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was just like, I'm just, so I was like, oh, we've got to step up our game a little bit now. So we just literally had to do it. Well, I mean, it's always good to do things properly, but obviously that that takes money. So. It was just like cash in the life savings and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah and make it happen with it and it all happened really quickly because I mean literally when we when I sort of talked to Joe about doing it and we were, the balls were rolling it I think it was probably late December yeah and by mid January they said they wanted to do it and then literally a week later we had a date which was a week after that so I think we shot it the first week of February mm -hmm. so 
the whole thing happened within like a six-week period, which was pretty a pretty fast turnaround. And I think it's because they were so busy, we had to put a date in the diary and just stick with it. And no matter what, we were shooting it on that day, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it came together quite nicely. Yeah. Well, it's pretty awesome as well, considering that Sean has a podcast and you've agreed to do mine as well, because uh, you know mine still it's a growing podcast. But like I, I like to think that you know you as as you know, evolving uh, filmmakers that you are sort of seeing it from my point of view as well. So I really appreciate it that you've taken some time out. Um, oh, no, definitely. Yeah, anything. Yeah. Um, so, Brendan, um, as the director with Sean and uh, John having, you know, a lot of experience in TV, did you find uh, that they were very open to your directions or were they offering, uh, you know, suggestions sort of thing? And were you open to them? Um, yeah, definitely. I think you, you can immediately tell that they're, they're very, both very professional. Um, but there wasn't any sort of. Um, you know, we did a rehearsal like the night before because I know John actually came down from Manchester, um, and he just sort of stayed over, and we just we just jumped in a rehearsal room for a few hours. And I, I mean, the scripts only like was I think seven eight pages, so it didn't take long to run it through. And straight away they they nailed it. So there was, you know, it was just, it was just gentle things like gentle pushes in different directions. And do you know what I mean? And I don't. I think they minded that, and they, they definitely brought new stuff to it as well as I mean, there's there's a, a few little ad lib bits in there, which you, you think is that it was they were so good at doing it that you don't even know they're really ad libbed. Yeah. Um, then they also brought sort of they were just I mean it's very I mean the, the, the it's very kind of um, a lot based on reactions the short it's all about facial expressions you know between the, these two these two guys so. There was there was a lot of stuff unexpected, but um, yeah, they were really easy to work. Like I said they're like yeah, yeah, they're professional, so it wasn't you know scary or anything like that. It just yeah, it was just quite a good experience really working with with great actors. Uh, well, it it shows that you were good at casting as well because something that I read is that you know you would have thought that they had been friends for a long time. So I'm assuming that's where some of those ad libs come from, just from the sort of freedom or the sort of instant chemistry that they had on screen. Oh yeah, I yeah. Think definitely. Definitely with that, because um, the night before, after they uh, did the uh, the practice and stuff, that obviously me and me and Brendan, we had to get up really early, obviously to get there first. So we we went home, and they just they just went out for a meal. So they obviously they've been chatting all night. So they they by the time the next morning they were just mates as soon as they turned up, and uh, it was the performance between them two were just like between takes. They're just like cracking up. They're laughing. They you know. In fact, some of the just just some of the we could make a film just on the outtakes, really, of them just just laughing about and yeah. So it was just once you know after the first few or four, three or four takes, it was they were just doing extra little lines or little they were doing different looks. Do you know they were almost like working out the characters together? And I, I just I, by the end, it was just it was just brilliant. I think. Cool. So, yeah. Oh, sorry. I'll let you go. No, no, I was just saying, yeah, it just, it, I think, like Stuart said, it, it, I think it just came together quite well. And it, it was, the, the shoot, I mean, it's actually, most of it's shot in a car, so we were constantly moving, and it was kind of, they were just sitting in the car, so there was, it was quite hard to communicate with them, but we, we seemed to manage it totally fine. It, everything seemed to flow really well. Um, you know, I don't think there was one take where they, they fluffed any lines or anything like that, Like, and we didn't have a great deal of time to shoot as well. I mean, generally you'd want to shoot, you know, you wouldn't want to shoot six pages of script in a day, but we somehow managed it just because, um, and we were, you know, we were on a big low load of things, so it takes time to rig that, and it was February, so the days were short, so we lost light at about 4 p.m., so suddenly 
everything gets you know quite quite stressful quite quickly but everything seemed to go quite swimmingly which was good um so came together that's one thing i was going to ask were you worried that it was going to go over budget or were you able to keep within the budget uh, well, yeah, I mean, we did go over budget <laughs> just because there was things that we couldn't avoid doing. Like I said, like we had to we had to get a low loader in and, and they're not cheap yeah. rather than sort of um, just clamping a camera to a car. And there, there were certain things we sort of had to had to get. Um, and it, yeah, it did go over budget, but it didn't go miles over budget. Um, but I think it was like the day it was just do or die, really. Like there was no room for error. There was no room for any sort of mess ups or, or cause as soon as it was quite funny, we did the when we lost light, I think we calculated it was about should have been about four, four quarter past four. And we actually shot to about five. But as soon as we called rap, it actually just started pissing down and thundering. <laughs> and it would have just been like and we got we literally got the last take on that on that go. So within five minutes it was pissing down and we had to strip everything down and, and go. And it was just like we we just got it. I don't know, it just I just bit of luck, really. I think it's just like yeah. you work in like film. It's all just you, you're hanging by the wing, your pants. You know what I mean? The seat of your pants most of the time. But I think we just you just got it. I don't know. It, was, it just went down quite well. And I don't think we. I think we knew that when we wrote it that we we wanted to do something that wasn't going to cause us too many too much stress. I mean, it's always stressful on sets, but like you, we didn't want loads of locations need no moves because we could only shoot for we could only afford to shoot for a day. Um, so we kind of thought about that when we were doing the script anyway to keep it quite minimal. Um, so and the, yeah, and, so, and the, yeah. so the uh, doll wasn't a uh, complete diva and demanded a big uh, rider or anything. Yeah, he's got a little box we had to come around him and stuff. And you know, he lived in South London, we had to go and pick him up. You know, so that was a bit, of a, yeah. bit annoying. You know, what I mean, he wouldn't get in a cab. <laughs> uh, what, what, was, what was that film he's in? He was actually in a film, wasn't he? He was in Time Bandits. Time no, Bandits. He, he was yeah. in Time Bandits, but they never used the scene he was in. That's right, yeah. Cause... So he's actually worked with T- T- Terry Gilliam, isn't it? Yeah, he's actually... Yeah, yeah. So he's, so he's so actually... He... I know he's worked with you, Brennan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so is he, is he going to get an IMDB page then? No. Yeah, we were kind of hoping for it, actually. We just, <laughs> I don't, he's not up there at the moment, but I, I think it'd be a tough call. But yeah, he should do. <laughs> so, um, whose original idea was Roger then? And uh, where did you actually find the doll? Did you do a casting call for dolls or anything? Or? Uh, I think the I trying to think back to the idea because it wasn't originally. Originally, we we wanted to, we were writing a sitcom actually. And yeah, that's right. It was, I remember, it was quite a long time ago, probably like a year ago, I'd imagine. Actually, longer than that, probably, I reckon. What do you think, Stuart? Probably like last Christmas, probably. For two years. Yeah, two we years were, ago. Um, he, was a character in that, he was a character in that, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, we wanted to write a sitcom about a magician. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I think that I'd, I'd recently did a photo shoot, and I don't want to name any names, but it was quite a, a famous magician. And I thought how it was so funny how set up the tricks were and how bad it was. That was right, yeah. That's how we yeah, did. and that sort of thing. I was like, this is this is comedy waiting to happen. This is like, you know, this is a joke. The fact that how bad it is, the stuff that you don't see on camera. Yeah. So we threw around the idea, and we came up with this idea about this magician, and we were like, what what friend could he have? Like, what's his sort of like sort of partner in crime? And then we thought it'd be funny if it was a, a ventriloquist and a dummy. Um, and then it sort of went from there, really. And then yeah. we sort—I think we wrote. Did we write a pilot? Um, we did, yeah. It's, based it's... mainly around the, the, the like the magician yeah. character. Although on the sh- on the short, we don't really push that um, that Sean's character is a magician. It's kind of irrelevant, really, for the short. Oh. Um, it's kind of it's more relevant in the in the feature we're writing. Um, and then just after that, we just 
we sort of are, we, we we did a sitcom pilot and then we I think we just started developing the feature film from yeah. there. Um, and well, just there was, uh, I think we're we're coming up with ideas for um, uh, what this uh, Roy character would do in the sitcom, and there's like an idea that we pushed around about how he could accidentally kill the doll, and because he thinks the doll's real, he almost goes on this like. I don't try to cover it up. And then we sort of thought, actually, that's a film. <laughs> that's not a sitcom, really. So it just, yeah, spiralled out from there, really. So that's, you know, that was a, the sense of the film, that he just thought this doll was real. And uh, we just found the idea of how, like, uh, we, yeah, I suppose that idea of killing your best friend, but then having that irony of the fact that it's just a doll. and But, but playing it straight, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, that was kind of how, yeah, that's how it was how it sort of started and then because we obviously we thought the best way to almost get funding for a feature would be do a short film um and then we, i mean our first idea was to just take a scene go okay, this is a scene and almost just show it as this is what could be possible uh but then we thought well if we're going to do the short film circuit then we, we, it might as well be a short film so uh, the, the, the film is actually kind of based on a, the first scene in the feature, but we almost turned it to have to have its own narrative. If that kind of makes sense. Oh. So um, yeah, so it has that kind of struct. I suppose that three act structure to a certain extent. So and it needed to have like a like a, a good, kind of a good ending rather than just like tail off like yeah. some kind of things do. We didn't want it to be just like a sketch. Do you know what I mean? Although you know, it's really hard to do com short comedy films that don't feel like sketches. I think, but. Um... That's that's what we were trying to do at least, like just make it film like it's, it's a it's a whole it's an entity on its own, and then people like go I'd like to see more of those guys. You know what I mean? I think I think we proved that both of them are pretty funny. The characters. I hope everyone's enjoying my interview with Brendan Cleves and Stuart Foreman. I'll be back in a jiffy. Are you ready for this? Sugar plums in your head? If you are looking at exploring your own unique and individual style, come into your worlds through Geordie's Tattoo Studio. Spotlight a significant aspect of your own self. We can help fuel your thoughts with our ideas, give you options, and then we do the rest. Find us at www.geordiestattoo.com. And now, back to the show. There is, um, uh, I think it's the British Comedy Guide. Um, it would be up there by now when this gets shown. Oh, yeah, you did an but, interview. Uh, so they did an interview Roger as the doll did an interview and uh, it's supposed to be up today or tomorrow. Well, obviously when this goes out, it will be up, but um, yeah. So that'd be quite cool. Is that a video um, or a written? No. Yeah. It's just a written in interview. So they interviewed Roger as the character. It was, um, it was all bizarre. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I hope it goes really well. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't think that would really work for the podcast. Otherwise I would have had him on. Like, I think one, yeah. one of you would have to have uh, pretended to do the voice for him. I think. Yeah. That... No, no, he's here though. He, he is here. He's just he's sitting behind me. He's just, really quiet. Really quiet. He doesn't say like, yeah. Give me a real weird stare. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. probably a bit weird that he just never blinks. You know, and just stares at you. And, you know, yeah. Uh, no, you, he does blink. He just, you, you know, he just needs needs a hand. When when we actually went and picked him up, he actually because we had all the gear back at my house, all the cameras and stuff for the shoot, and he he would just sit on the sofa for like a day. Just looking, and he just wasn't like a person. He just sat there, and I like sort of, sort of acknowledged him when I walked in the room. It's like, what is going on? <laughs> um, went to um, when we went to pick him up. Um, obviously, the guy, the guy's got about eight or nine of these things, and he he wasn't hundred percent sure which one we wanted because we'd just seen pictures. 
and we i just remember we walked into his living room and he had about eight sitting on the sitting on different chairs and it was the scariest thing yeah, i've ever dolls seen freak me out, yeah. <laughs> and one was just looking at me the whole time like you're trying <laughs> to talk to the guy and you can just see out the corner of your eye he's just like looking at you but i just matt just to live in that house would be insane i don't know just to come down with the lights off oh god yeah. I don't think he keeps in there all the time, though. Sure. <laughs> Brendan, he probably doesn't have a choice. Yeah, probably take over the it. house. I know what they're like. <laughs> I know what Roger was like. So, yeah, is that is Roger's real name as well, or does he... Um... No, his, name's his real name's Al, Al actually. Al. <laughs> yeah. Al, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> it gives him names. It's, it's insane. <laughs> Even weirder. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you've... Uh... Within the uh, 30 days, obviously, you know, the point of a Kickstarter is, um, you know, to offer perks in, uh, in return for uh, donations. So what are some of the uh, perks that you will be offering uh, for the Kickstarter? Uh, yeah, well, we've pretty much got a quite a wide price range and also pretty much you're getting something quite nice, I think, rather than... I mean, we, we kind of swayed away from doing completely ridiculously silly things, so we just didn't think there was any sort of value on that. Um so we, you know, if we're doing like sort of digital downloads, pretty cheap, you know, that kind of thing. Like, and um, we're doing like uh, actual physical Blu-ray and DVD as well. Again, that's like pretty reasonably priced. And then going up from that, there's some signed stuff from John and Sean, um, some postcards, as scripts you can get signed by John, Sean, and us. Um, on top of that, we've got we've got some really nice art prints. We we got done. A friend of mine's an artist who did all the artwork. Um, so we, we got a bunch of uh, real nice art print posters that we're, we're going to sign and John and Sean are going to sign those um, and then what else for me I think we got we got the we got uh, the premiere yeah, the, the world premiere tickets we're going to sell um, which you know uh, again like pretty reasonable um, and going up from there that's when you, you know, it does get that, we noticed that you know there, there are some just silly things you have to put on there for just expensive so we're, we're selling the jumpers that, um, that Roger and Shaw, uh, John wore on the on the shoot so we're selling those uh, so you, you can grab those if you really want them but that's just more of a kind of silly thing if you're you know a mega fan um but what else have we got we've got uh, we've got associate producer credits so if you want an imdb credit um easy way to get one and, and to be honest ours are actually a lot cheaper than a lot of other ones i've seen um yeah. we've tried to keep everything really quite like on the low end of the price scale because yeah. we just we want people we want people to get them rather than just be like you know just sit there and not you not have any backers on each of them. Um, but I think everything's priced pretty well. You know I think our, our DVDs are actually the cheapest I've ever seen on Kickstarter because um, it's pointless. You're not you know we're not trying to rip people off. We just you know need a bit of a helping hand really. Helping, yeah. So, um, so um, you will be uh, self-distributing the DVD. Um, uh, well, actually, it's only it won't be distributed anywhere else but Kickstarter. We won't be um, just mainly because of the festival rules. Um, you, you're not. I don't think a lot of them do have lots of rules about distributing. So you'll almost be when you, if you get a DVD, it'll be like an exclusive. Like that will be a one of a kind kind of thing. Like it'll only be done through the Kickstarter until obviously it's done the festival runs, which will be you know a year, two years on the line. Um, so yeah, that's, that'd be that'd be quite cool. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask because uh, I, like, I assume the the point of uh, touring the festivals is to, you know, hopefully get a larger distribution deal and or have it lead to something else sort of thing. Would that be correct? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we just I think we just see how it goes. We don't want to get. I mean, we don't assume that we've because we've got kind of two famous people in it. It'll, it'll go anywhere, but. Um, I think we believe in it. I think we 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 really spent time and and making it 
kind of special and, and getting the script right and uh, and making the shoot work. So we we're hoping all that will pay off, really. Um, but yeah, hopefully, if it's if it does well at the festivals, you never know. Like you know, short films do have distribution, um, and potentially it might lead to at least getting some meetings about the feature. You know, just at least getting the script into the right hands. Um, I mean, we haven't quite finished the feature yet. I think it's a, it's a few months till we're, we've got a sort of draft we can show anyone. But um, that's the kind of end game. Um, so this is like the, the really the first steps, really. Um, that's awesome. This is the beginning of Roger. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. that, um... a chat show next, I think. <laughs> Um, well, like huge amounts of respect as well, because you know, and again, personally, just from uh, doing a Kickstarter myself, it wasn't. You know the the it, it was quite stressful sort of thing, but obviously you know you have a um, a great team around you as well, um, and you know I think that if I was gonna not to you because obviously you are you know you're doing this, but if I was gonna give advice to anyone doing a Kickstarter, um, and I'm gonna ask you for what advice you would give as well, is that it can't be the end of the world sort of thing because I think that was the the problem that I put into my Kickstarter that it was kind of that or nothing sort of thing. And that's where all the stress came from. Um, I mean, if you, yeah. if you, in terms of in terms of promotion for someone making a short film or just getting into uh, making uh, films themselves, uh, what kind of advice would you give for promotion sort of thing? Uh, I think it helped with us just because we actually did we've shot the film already, so I think suddenly the risks to people go down quite a bit. Like if you've already shot it, you've almost jumped over the you know, a big hurdle yeah. Um, rather than just all you've got is, you know, maybe some, some you know, some penciled cast and maybe, a, you know, a script you can show people. So, and I know that the big part of it just from doing this it is post-production, is festival fees. So if you can keep the production cost down and actually manage to shoot it yourself and then go to kickstart for the post, um, I'd say that's pretty good advice because, yeah, like the risk to, to everyone else. You can you can show people stuff like we've got. We can show people like, you know, a few teaser trailers and, you know, behind the scenes pictures and things like that just to show that we are competent and professional and, you know, this is going to succeed. So um, apart from that, I, I do see what you're saying about sort of it all or nothing. I mean, I think I don't know what we're going to do if we don't get the Kickstarter. I think it would be another it'd be another like I mean, we, I was saving for like two years to, to get the money to do the to do the film. So it'd be another saving up pennies until we can afford to finish it. Really. That'd be, that'd be the only thing. So yeah, it's a tough one really. Um, but I mean, it definitely helps getting, you know, known actors involved in it. Um, but again, I think the key to that is having a good script and, and getting your script tight. I mean, we, we kind of got lucky, I think with John and Sean, but I don't think it would have been impossible if we didn't know them to get them in front of maybe, a, you know, an actor that's keen to do short films or just want to do something different. Yeah. You know, I think as long as the script's good, I think a lot of actors are really up for doing stuff, especially if it's only a day. Do you know what I mean? If it's a day and it's just like a one day at your time, show up, you know, we feed you, you know, it'll be a laugh. You know, you can go home at five o'clock, fine. You know, I don't think, you know, I know a lot of actors, and I'm pretty sure, you know, they're, they're keen to do fun stuff. They just want a good script. I mean, that's generally yeah, what it is. Isn't it? They just script. want good material, good mirror to it, and they'll be up for doing it. I'd imagine if they're not too busy. I mean, the good thing I think about Kickstarter as well it is almost its own promotional tool. Yes. Like if if you can do well on Kickstarter and it's if it's something's been funded through Kickstarter, it's kind of just it's just maybe saying something about the validity of the, the project. You know, so in that it's actually if if a lot of people believe in it, like on a global scale, then it it just you know it's saying something about it. True, and once um, it, once so, it's there as well, you know, so, uh, like it's 
it's sort of a double-edged sword because if it's successful or not, it is there forever <laughs> for someone to sort of uh, to look at. But I've, obviously, you know, I've, there's no reason why this wouldn't be successful because yeah, it looks really funny. You know, it, it's kind of uh, you've done a great job with the trailers in terms of not really giving too much away because it is a short film. Um, yeah. But you know, yeah. uh, sort of giving the the feel of the entire uh, film. I mean, was it easy to pick certain parts? from the film to use in the trailer i think the um the, the john singing um <laughs> yeah. i think just came to us came to us because it, it didn't give away anything about the plot um and then we felt anything within the car kind of gave too much of the game away but i kind well, like the first trailer because it almost sets up the conflicts uh, essentially you know you've got a guy who's going roger's called shotgun essentially um <laughs> so um you almost uh, you don't need to know much more. You can almost, it just goes, oh, this, oh, I can see where this is going to be funny, but you don't need to know much about the story really. So yeah, I mean, those two kind of really stuck out really. Uh, I don't think there was anything else we could really use. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't think there's much we used to us. Yeah. Even the image on uh, beyondthejoke.co.uk, you can tell just by, you know, the reactions of Sean and John and obviously uh, Roger in the middle. Uh, yeah. You know, I think you can get kind of a good idea just, you know, because obviously they are, you know, great actors and great facial expressions and stuff like but that. Yeah. You know, it, it's the first thing that you're going to see before uh, before the Kickstarter video or maybe even before the trailers or anything. And, you know, I think it's enough to entice people to immediately check it out sort of thing. I think you're right. I think it's the, um, that that image. Um, I think we almost got lucky with it because it was, it was, the shoot had finished and we just wanted a picture of all of them three together. It wasn't supposed to be used as a promotional tool. But just Sean's look, you go... Oh my god! This yeah, this is it. You've you've done all the the the, the character dynamics, the relationship dynamics. It's all in that picture. Yeah. It was just yeah. It wasn't like oh let's let's stage this picture. It was just I think because they'd been it was the end of the day, so they you know I reckon Sean was Stephen at that point. <laughs> yeah, and one thing that brings up a good point about Kickstarter is that um, if I think if I'd have known what I know now, I'd have done more stuff. I mean, it's really hard to do stuff on the shoot day with with your talent. But, I mean, I had a couple of guys that were going to do behind-the-scenes videos for it. Mm. And one of them pulled out two days before the shoot, and one of them pulled out literally the night before the shoot. So we didn't have a behind-the-scenes video, which I think would have made, again, it's like one of those things you can put on your kick so you can see that people are having fun, you know, things like that. So if if I was going to do it again, uh, and, I mean, at the time, we didn't definitely know we were going through Kickstarter, which is why I didn't really... Uh, well, I was just thinking it would be a nice thing to have. But... I think if you know you're going to Kickstarter on the shoot day, do anything like that you can just to have stuff to show people, just content, whether it just be like a quick interview with one of the cast, like we could have just grabbed them and interviewed them there and there, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, yeah. So if, if I look back, I don't think, yeah, that's probably something we should have done. But, you know, obviously some people pulled out and there's nothing we can do about that. But, um, yeah, um, probably some advice if you were thinking about doing that. Totally, but you're in a good position, though, that the Kickstarter hasn't yet started. And, you know, like, you know that's something that I sort of tell uh, people as well, that if you are an artist and you use uh, social media as a tool, as a platform, that everything you do is content sort of thing. Uh, you know, even if it's just, you know, taking a picture of Roger, you know, it could be like him, you know, eating a meal or something like that just to you know tweet out or something like that or you can do video updates as the kickstarter goes on or you could release um uh outtakes or whatever hopefully without giving too much of the plot away sort of thing so like yeah. I, um, I think we might actually go and see if we can we can take 
Roger out for the day or something. I think that's, <laughs> that could be, it could be on the cards. I reckon. I mean, we could we could you know take him out for the day. You know, I think he'd really like that. Something. Sorry. I think he'd really like that. I think he probably would. Yeah. <laughs> for the zoo. Really would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's on the cards. I think I think we could, we've got a few extra things we're gonna throw into the mix throughout the campaign. Like I think every week we're gonna throw a giveaway something, or there's gonna be a new reward you can get. Um, so we're doing things like that to kind of keep it, kind of keep people going, and you know, keep the pace going. Um, so yeah. Cool. Well, certainly I will um, continue to, you know, in my own way, help promote uh, the Kickstarter in uh, subsequent episodes of the podcast. And if there's, you know, there's probably nothing I can really do to help. But if there's anything that I could possibly do to sort of help at all, just you know, a DVD, you buy a DVD. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That that'll You're be the, the first thing. Producer, does that, does that does that work for you? I'll put you down for one jumper. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could I could probably fit into uh, into John's uh, jumper. Um, <laughs> I, I Roger's don't... jumpers it was actually a, like a custom made like bespoke jumper. Yeah. Uh, it's the real deal. There's no that you know messing around there. <laughs> Well, I'm sure I've got a, uh, a friend who's got a dog who would uh, probably fit into it quite nicely. So. <laughs> okay, well, um, thank you uh, for joining me to uh, joining me today. Um, before we go, what links? Uh, give me links, pimp, pimp stuff, because uh, <laughs> the Kickstarter will be up and running uh, by the time the uh, episode airs. So, where can we find the Kickstarter? Where can we find trailers and any other information relating to Roger? Um, I think. Probably if you search for Roger on the Kickstarter page, it'll come up or rogershortfilm.com. Uh, yeah, we'll Roger, yeah, the Facebook links to Kickstarter, all that. So, um, yeah, dead easy to find. Awesome. Okay, well, um, thank you for joining me today, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks for having us. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Thanks to Brendan and Stuart. Um, that was a really fun interview, and I thank them uh, because you know this is a start of podcast, and I'm, I'm, I'd imagine that they you know appreciate that that you know I'm still building an audience, and you know because of you know their involvement and guests like them, uh, I'm able to do that. So you know, thank you to them, and thank you to any new listeners who have uh, tuned in specifically for this. Uh, next week, I have Liam Regan. Uh, he is the writer and director of the uh, the hit cult horror film Banjo. Um, we <laughs> this one probably isn't going to be for everyone. Uh, we do get very risque with conversation. <laughs> um, the uh, Banjo has been screened all over the world, including Cannes Film Festival, um, and it's really taking off. And uh, Liam is uh, certainly taking off as a writer and director. Um, it. it expands the show as well i always said that you know i try to get your know, uh, writers authors musicians filmmakers um you know butchers bakers candlestick makers anyone in the uh, field of creative entertainment so if anyone enjoyed today's episode um you know with filmmakers you should enjoy next week's episode with another filmmaker um it may be a two-part episode because we do uh we continue to talk about wrestling quite a bit and <laughs> um i i did record it as well um and it's an entertaining conversation well i think it was i'm, I'm gonna have to listen to it back um i i have a propensity to complain about everything um so yeah, we'll see if it's something that won't make you want to, you know, just stick pins in your uh, eyes or your ears, I suppose. Um, 
Would you, would you need to stick pins in your ears? Well, corkscrew, I don't know, plugs to stop you from hearing uh, the podcast. Or you could just turn it off, I suppose. But, um, <laughs> okay, I'm talking shit. Um, it's partly because I'm hungry. And uh, I'm very much like a baby in that sense. That If I'm hungry or tired, I get cranky. Um, <laughs> so we'll wrap things up. Uh, so, yeah, check out that. Um, again, if you want to uh, check out more on Roger... Um, check out rogershortfilm.com it has a link to the kickstarter it has a link to all their social media um you know that that is all of the website that is just a home page and it links you to everything everywhere you need to go um do check it out there are some cool perks and um i shall i shall leave it at that um i to keep it fresh in your mind so yes i will see you next week thanks very much bye goodbye goodbye, goodbye. goodbye.